Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise God. Psalm 100 this morning. Psalm 100. Hallelujah. When God spoke to me in 2019 to become a joy professional, and that's how he spoke it to me, be a joy professional. And since that time, I've studied on joy and I practice joy regularly. I I endeavor to make it the um, atmosphere of my life, that joy and peace together are dominating my home, my atmosphere, my mindset, my emotional condition, state that I'm in, that joy and peace are governing that. And Psalm 100 has been such a help to me because it brings a clarity of focus that will produce joy. If you'll look at what Psalm 100 tells you to look at, Joy is easy to find. It's easy to flow in. For instance, he says in verse 1, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I know that seems like a King James way of saying it. Make a joyful noise. And maybe we wouldn't use that phraseology today. Come on now, make a joyful noise. We would in church, but you might not see people outside. But when you think about that, God's not inhibited by noise. He's not intimidated by noisy people. He just doesn't like noisy complaining and noisy, yeah, yeah. noisy fearful thoughts and uh, sounds. And he, he likes joy noises. Yeah. God enjoys noises that have joy in them. And so he says, make a joyful noise. Now, I think it's, it's necessary to say that God doesn't require it to be on pitch. You don't even have to know how to sing on key. Say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) As long as you put some joy in your noise, God finds it pleasing to his ears. Other people might not want you to record an album, but God loves to hear it when there's joy in your noise. So our homes don't need to be quiet or somber and a lot of times there are, are moments when we come into the presence of God and there is a reverence, but that's not the, the dominant sound of heaven or the dominant sound that we see in the rejoicing outline for us in the book of Revelation. The dominant is a joyful noise. That is what we see as the instruction for our life is that we are constantly releasing sounds that contain joy. So make a joyful noise. It's not going to happen without you initiating it. You have to initiate the joy. And you'll be surprised 
how it can look like a really somber atmosphere and you can make one release of a phrase of joy and it shifts the atmosphere. It shifts the atmosphere in the home. It'll shift the atmosphere in the room. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. We all want to be obedient. I'm serving the Lord, serving the Lord. You remember Brother Hagin telling the story about when God told him to leave pastoring. He said, I never called you to pastor. He had been pastoring 12 years and had begun sensing that God was moving him and telling him to do something differently. And so he went out on the field and all he knew how to do was evangelize. So he went out on the field to evangelize and uh, he was a year into that uh, obedience, but his car was worn out. He finally, I think, sold it, you know, for junk. And his, his family didn't have clothes, new clothes to wear. They'd worn out the clothes and his children were outgrowing their clothes. They were, they were suffering financially. He had put everything on what line of credit he did have. And so he said every month he would go further into debt on that credit because he was going under every time. And he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, I did what you told me. I left a good church, the best church we'd ever been in, supplying some of the best for us financially. We had our parsonage. We had uh, food uh, provided by the, all of the farmers who would come and bring their, their vegetables and different cuts of meat to us. We had, uh, they sent us to conference every year and bought us a new outfit every time we went to conference every year. And he said, I've left that to go out on the road and now we're suffering. And he, he took him to Psalm 119 or Psalm, uh, um, uh, is it 19.1? That the willing and obedient and if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Can you search that one for me? I said Psalm, but I don't think it is. Uh, it's Isaiah 119. If you be willing and obedient. Something 119. <laughs> if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And he said, you're obedient, but you're not willing. He, he, was, he did it. Thank you. I See, 119, it was Isaiah. I said Psalm, but it was Isaiah. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And he said, Lord, I'm not eating the good of the land. He said, well, you're being obedient, but you're not willing. He didn't have the right attitude. And he said, you can't tell me that you can't get willing in a, in a heartbeat. He said, I got willing in a heartbeat. Right away he got willing. And then the moment he got willing, God started showing him what he needed to do and how he needed to address that problem. But the willingness was something that even though he was being obedient, he was serving the Lord. But that willingness had to kick in for him to receive of that promise to eat the good of the land. And when it says serve the Lord with gladness, with gladness. So he wants us to serve him, but he doesn't want us to serve him saying gloom, despair, and agony on me. He doesn't want us to serve him saying it's a hard old way. I'm coming up. On the rough side. Chapter and verse for that rough side, Luther. Right? We, we want to check on that. Lord, what does it mean about the rough side? According to the scripture, the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Yeah. 
Amen. So we're not on the rough side. We're serving the Lord with gladness. And gladness is a choice. We choose to be glad. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Now, I want to read from the Message Bible this verse because I love how it gives such a, an image. It says, Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into His presence. Bring a gift of laughter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just come before Him and say, Father, I have something for you today. I mean, when you come to the Lord, what does He want? What pleases Him? You know, the, the more that we recognize the, the value of giving is when we recognize, I want to give what's going to really invoke a joy out of that person, right? And, and so if you brought me liver and onions, I, I would say thank you. But I might not have joy in the I mean I would receive it just because I, I, I want I don't want to hurt your feelings but I, the joy would not be present right but if you brought me something if you brought me enchiladas Right? Why am I talking about food right now? I don't know. I'm just for an example. I just chose something I really didn't like, which was liver and onions. When we bring God what he likes, he says he likes laughter. He says he likes joy. He likes joyful noises. He likes gladness. So let's bring it to him. I mean, this, this is something that, that nobody else can bring him for me. Amen. Nobody else can bring him my joy but me. Nobody else can be glad in his presence for me but me. Right. Amen? Amen? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And the message again says, Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of my children, when they were growing up, really liked to watch musicals. Uh, Angela. And, and one day she said, Mama, I would just wish life could be a musical. <laughs> right? Life could be a musical. And, you know, because in the musical, they, they just forget conversations. Let's sing it. And I come before you this day. Right? Well, why don't we just come before, sing ourselves into his presence. Right? It, just make our life with God a musical. Sing yourself into his presence. Father, I come before you today to give you all the glory, to give you all the praise. Yes, Lord. Sing yourself into his presence. Know this, God is God and God, God. That's how the message Bible says it. I think verse 3 for me is the essence of true worship because it says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. 
And when you really start looking at how deep that really is, the more you know that God is God, you'll be clear on, on what marriage is constituted of. You'll be clear on gender. You'll be clear on, on living right. You'll be clear. I mean, the more you know God, it is God who has made us. God is God. He has made us. I am not in a position to tell God how things ought to be. I go to him and he tells me how things ought to be. And I say, sir, yes, sir. Right? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. So when you really begin to look at that, it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. That, that knowledge, that clarity is the basis and the fuel for our praise and for our worship. Amen. Knowing that God is God, He has made us, and when you worship Him as my creator from the created one, it, it, it is a, a recognition of His place in our life, His position in our life, His majesty, His, his uh, unlimitedness, His infiniteness. God who created everything that exists is my heavenly Father. God who made me. God made me. And then called me His own. And gave me His name. I'm named with His name. Amen? That is, is the fuel for worship. It is what causes our hearts to really connect with that true worship. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And then it goes back into instruction again of how to worship. So now we know the heart, the mindset of our heart, the, at, the attitude of our heart in worship. I'm worshiping Him my creator who has made me. Now enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter with thanksgiving. And then it says, and into his courts with praise. Well, the gate is the beginning and the courts is closer into what we would know as the holy place or the holy of holies. So he's talking about a process. I start with thanksgiving. And when I begin being thankful, then I've walked, I've opened the gate, I've entered in through the gate, I'm in the courtyard, and I begin to, to praise Him in the courtyard, and then from that courtyard, we know the next step is to go into His presence in a closer proximity. And this is the way we are to start every day, the way we are to start every conversation with Him, start by saying, thank you, Lord. And if you, listen, I've, I've changed my life when I started saying, uh, stopping asking first and thanking first instead. I come and I get as thankful as I can. And I, 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 I rehearse things that even when, I, when, when they first come up here, I'm like, yeah, thank you, Lord. But then when I start to bring them out of my mouth, it brings a recognition. Thank you, Lord, that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
Thank you, Lord, for how you blessed me with this vehicle. Thank you, Lord, for how you blessed me. And when I start to thank him for it, I remember where he brought me from. And I remember how he, he, and you can train Thanksgiving into your life. You can train yourself to be thankful. Certain things in our, our path trigger responses. Pastor and I, when we pull into our neighborhood, it, Thanksgiving begins. And we start right there. And from the time that we pull into the Osage Falls neighborhood, we thank him all the way into the, the place where we live. Thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with this beautiful neighborhood to live in. We pray for our neighbors as we're driving by. Thank you, Lord, for all of our neighbors. Thank you, Lord. And then we start calling our house paid for before we even get to it. Thank you, Lord, that it's paid for. And, and so, we're, but that Thanksgiving is triggered by that turn we make. We turn into that one place and, and, and our minds have been trained to start thanking God. This is where we thank God. Thank God. And so you can set certain things in your life to remind you when I pass that, when I turn on that street, when I, when I uh, uh, pick up that thing in my, my kitchen or whatever, that, thank God for that. Thank God for that. And when we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, be thankful to him and bless his name. This is keeping us in his presence all day long. Amen. Amen. We know he lives in us. Greater is he who is in us. But it is, it is um, the tendency of the human mind to not make that connection of what's in our spiritual truth. So we have to train our human mind to be spiritual. And we do that by... Thanksgiving, by spiritual flows. Thanksgiving is a spiritual flow. Rejoicing is a spiritual flow. Worshiping, all three are different, but all three are spiritual flows. Amen? That take us into the presence of God. Thanksgiving, rejoicing, and worship. And, and you've got to train yourself to do it because it is a spiritual choice and not something that your mind or your flesh automatically resorts to. The mind automatically resorts to worry. The flesh loves to worry. Your flesh is built to worry, but we don't walk after the flesh, do we? So we don't let it. We said, no, 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 that's not how we do. That is not how we do. And you know how to stop worry? Be thankful, rejoice, worship. There are some things that you are battling mentally, things that every one of us battle mentally that have to be dealt with spiritually and and, and this rejoicing is a spiritual flow that when you first do it, you think, I'm not doing anything. It's not working. What's happening? It, it's working. It's working. Oh, yeah, it's working. It's different to my flesh for me to pick up a spiritual tool of rejoicing and apply it to something that's natural, that is present in my feelings and present in my mind. But I'm picking up something out of my spirit which has a stronger and more far-reaching effect to deal with that which is temporal. Amen? Amen. So rejoicing is something that we need to um, make a, a habitual response of our spirit. That we, our spirit begins to train our mind and our will and our emotions to rejoice 
not based on what we feel like, not based on what we see, not based on what's going on around us, but based on the Word and who God is. The, all of these things, making a joyful noise, serving the Lord with gladness, coming before His presence with singing, none of them are, are provoked by something that happens to us. They are choices that we make and lifestyles we put in place. Making a joyful noise is not just when something good happens. Sometimes there are, are homes that only hear joyful noises when their team scores. And the kids will hear that noise and say, yeah, the, the football team must have just scored. They should hear that kind of volume about God. More so, it's not wrong, it's not wrong to, to shout loudly when your team scores, but that shouting loudly should not be limited to just rejoicing about a team scoring or a, a, race, a, a, a race going on, racetrack, whatever, whatever it may be. The, there needs to be sounds and somebody comes up, what's going on? I'm rejoicing in the Lord. One day I was, I was practicing my joy and Liliana came in and she said, Mommy, why are you raising? Why are you raising? Because I was just in the kitchen by myself with my hands lifted up, praising the Lord. And she came in, why are you raising? And that stuck with me. To her, it's like, well, it, 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 it marked her. Why are you raising? She, she noticed, and our family needs to notice, our, our walls need to hear our praise. Our couch needs to hear our praise. The interior of your car needs to hear your praise. Amen. Uh, because this is our lifestyle set in place by the wisdom of God. And this is our foundation for our life. Psalm 89 and verse 15. Psalm 89, 15 says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. That know the joyful sound. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. Hallelujah. We need to know it. We need to be intimately acquainted with joyful sounds. We need to know how to make joyful sounds. Hallelujah. We need to know how to express joy to God. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance the the that would be a, a, a way of expressing the favor of God the light of your countenance the radiance of your face one translation says they will walk in your favor why because they know how to make joy noises they know how to make joyful sounds and because they know how to make joyful sounds, they are walking in the light of your countenance in your favor in a way that people who aren't making joyful sounds aren't walking. The sounds that I'm making are affecting the steps that I'm taking. They're affecting the light that's shining upon my path. Why? Because I'm taking steps in His presence that is present in my life because I've been experiencing an atmosphere of rejoicing and when I'm rejoicing God is inhabiting my praises and because he's there there's light that I would not have had without him without his presence I wouldn't have had light about it 
So because I am making these joyful sounds, his presence is manifest. He's always with me, but there are manifestations of his presence that bring light to my decisions because I've created an atmosphere, a lifestyle of rejoicing and worship, and it's causing me to be blessed, my family to be blessed. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. One translation I believe it's the God's Word translation, says, Blessed are the people who know how to praise you. Who know how to praise you. Now that may sound easy for us who may have been in church for a number of years, but I remember when I first came to church. And I remember looking down this row and looking down this row and saying, Why are these people lifting their hands? And what is all this? You know, Although I was the woman in the bar who was the loudest woman in the bar. I was the one on top of the table singing, you know, to the top of my lungs. And, and yeah, but here I am in church saying, why are they lifting their hands? I've never seen that before. I overcame it. I overcame it quickly. I overcame that intimidation quickly and I began to realize those people who are dancing are getting something from God. Those people who are lifting their hands, they're experiencing something I can see on their face that they came in with something they're not going out with. Amen. They got a freedom in the presence of God. They got chains broken off of their mind in in the presence of God. They got heavy burdens lifted in the presence of God. Even before the preaching started, before hands were laid on anybody, they got free in the presence just worshiping. And we don't have to wait till we come to church. We We can initiate that rejoicing and just keep things off of us. Amen. Just keep ourselves uh, free and clear. And so blessed are the people who know how to praise you. I had to learn how to praise God. I had to learn. uh, I I took scriptures because I I began to realize not all Christian songs are giving God much glory. There's a lot of Christian songs on Christian radio that really emphasize feelings and, and, and they spend more time singing about the darkness and the heaviness and then they get one little verse there in the end about how God brought them out but that's not praise I mean we've we, I don't know if you've recognized it but we've turned it when we were able to move from just recorded music with the soundtracks to being able to choose what songs we wanted to sing with live music that we were able to go to songs that are aimed at Bless the name of Jesus. We worship your name. Songs that are, are scripturally uh, 100% focused. I, I, there are songs of rejoicing. There are songs, but, but we're able to choose those songs that are aiming us at the desired result of giving him the glory, knowing how to praise him. Amen? And it's shifted in our atmosphere. It's, there have been uh, more numerous times when God has been able to move in certain ways and had liberty to move in certain ways. And just as we entered in and we hit that note, you know, when you worship, when you worship uh, at night, somewhere in between those early morning hours and the dawn, there is a change in temperature that causes the condensation that was in the atmosphere all along to begin collecting on your vehicle, 
on your window panes. Anybody get up in the morning and there's moisture on your windows? Because outside is steamy hot and inside you've got the air on, right? Well, it was there yesterday, but you didn't, it didn't collect on your windows because when the atmosphere reaches the condensation point, that condensation moves out of the air and begins to stick to whatever will hold that condensation. And when our worship hits that, that condensation point so that the presence of God who is always manifest in our, in our midst, but we're not sensing, but when we hit that place in worship that, that, that moves that condensation point and the presence becomes tangible, so we begin to recognize He's here. Uh, he was here all along. Just like that moisture was in the air all along. But it was when the temperature changed that the condensation formed. And it's when that worship changes the temperature of the atmosphere that the manifestation brings. And so you don't have to have all of us present to bring that temperature change in your life. All you need to do is give that same focus in worship and praise. Alone in your car, alone in your kitchen, wherever you may be with your family. Uh, somebody called me the other day and they were rejoicing because God had blessed them with a new computer. And so whenever we get Max given to us, we rejoice <laughs> where I come from. <laughs> and so this person had a, like a 200, 2019 new Mac given to them. And, and so I, I was rejoicing, praise the Lord. And Lily came running from the other room and she said, we need a praise parade. She didn't know what I was praising about. Didn't know the conversation on the other end of the phone. She just heard me say praise the Lord and she was ready to march. And we got up and marched all the way through the house, through the dining room, back through the kitchen, praise parade. Train them up in the way they shall go. Amen. I mean, you got to do that to your, 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 your flesh too. You got to, no, no, no. We're going to have a praise parade right now. I don't feel like a praise parade. We're going to have a praise parade. Come on. And you might feel silly when you start walking and saying, this is the day, this is the... You might feel silly. I mean, I... but you take a few steps and you'll begin to get with it. Amen? Hallelujah. So this word here, rejoice, when it says, blessed are the people that know no the joyful sound, they shall walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name shall they rejoice in the morning. All day? day. What? You can do that? All All day? In your name shall they rejoice all day. This word rejoice, are you ready for it? It's going to take you out of your comfort zone. But it's scripture. Are you ready for it? This word rejoice means to jump for joy. It means to exult. And we, we don't even use that word outside the Bible. Exult. Have you exulted today? Not exalt. Exult. E-X-U-L-T. We don't even use that word outside the Bible, right? But it's a Bible word. Exult. And it means full out joy. Full out joy. There is such a thing. I'm here to tell you there is. I'm here to tell you there is such a thing as full out joy. He says, rejoice, jump for joy, exult, 
To be joyful, here's the, here's the other definition I want to stick with you, to triumph. To triumph. So we go back again to that person who is, who is jumping up and down in their living room because their team just scored in the Super Bowl, right? And they're jumping up and down and they're high-fiving and they're chest bumping and, and ah, you know, they're screaming and they probably got their faces painted and all kinds of other stuff like that. They're, they're full-out triumphing, right? They've got full-out joy over something natural that not even, that's not even out of their spirit. It's just coming out of their excitement, their emotions. It's not even coming out of their spirit, but they are rejoicing because of a triumph that they didn't even have any part in other than to be a coercion from their couch, right? But they're so excited about that team's triumph. And then, you know, uh, they out in the, the, the they, they get out of there when they win the Super Bowl, you know, in that city. People leave their houses if they were at home and drive down to stand outside and celebrate at the stadium, you know, and they're, they're filling the streets over a triumph, over something natural. And we've got the victory that overcomes the world. I mean, we, triumph is our benefit package. Triumph is ours by covenant. How do we get that manifestation of that triumph in our life? Well, just rejoice with it because it's yours. And when you rejoice, remember, it changes the atmosphere. So there's a condensation point so that that triumph begins to manifest. Hallelujah. So this word, it says, in your name shall they triumph all the day. In your name shall they jump for joy all the day. In your name shall they exalt full out joy, full out joy. So, so if you could put joy on a meter and measure it and you could set different levels of joy and you could say, okay, this is level one joy and this is what it sounds like, this is what it looks like. And, and then you have a demonstration of what level one joy looks like and sounds like. And then you, you, you turn that meter up. You turn that little knob up. And you say, this is what, this is what half joy. You know, you got it up to the halfway mark. Let's say it's one through ten. We got it up to level five joy. Level five joy. That's halfway on the meter. And this is what it looks like. And that's what it sounds like. But then when you crank it all the way maxing out what does full out joy look like he says in your name shall they exult with full out joy triumph all the day and in your righteousness shall they be exalted hallelujah go with me to Zephaniah chapter 3 I want you to get that concept of joy on a meter on a scale that can be measured and set at different levels and I want to show you in Zephaniah because remember this exalting this this uh, rejoicing is not just a random song here and there but it is a triumphing it is practicing triumph 
It is songs of triumph and sounds of triumph and actions of triumph. So how do you act when you triumph? In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, it says, The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. He will save. So now that this is beginning to sound like God who's in the middle of you, but you're surrounded by enemies. God's in the midst and he will save because you've got adversaries and you've got things coming against you and you've got difficulties that you're facing. But God's in the midst of you and he's mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. What does God do when you're in trouble? How does God bring his deliverance, his salvation, his help to you when you're in trouble? He rejoices over you with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over you with singing. This is how God's responding. God's not chewing his fingernails trying to figure out what to do about our situations. God begins to sing. He begins to rejoice. He will joy. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will joy over you. We were talking about in Spanish that we don't really, in English, have a, a verb. It kind of is in, this, in, the, in the King James Version, but in our everyday language, we don't say, you know, I joyed about that. But in Spanish, they have a verb, gozarme, which means to joy yourself. I love that. It's used right here. He will joy over you. Joy is a verb. God has a verb for joy. And we say, well, I'm rejoicing. And that's the expression of that joy. But joy yourself. Joy yourself in the Lord. Amen? Joy yourself. And so he will joy over you with singing. God sings and he sings over you. So it's not out of character for us to sing to him. He sings to you. Open my ears to hear that, Lord. I want to hear the songs you're singing over me. Let me show you in Psalm 32. Psalm 32 and verse 7. I'm giving you a key to victory. Amen. This is a key that has brought me to a new level of, of walking in the Spirit. It's given me a victory over my flesh. It's given me a sensitivity to the, the realm of the Spirit, the voice of God in my life because I've been able to maintain an environment of peace and joy by doing these actions that has enabled my heart to be open to hear. I'm not having to always deal with chaos in my mind and in my heart and, and worry about this and, and not sure what's going to happen about that. I haven't had to fight those things because I've maintained this atmosphere. I fought them by maintaining the atmosphere. Amen. Amen. In Psalm chapter 32 and verse 7, it says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You will compass me about with songs of deliverance. You will compass me about with songs of deliverance. Did we see that God is mighty in the midst of us? 
He's rejoicing over us. He's joying over us with songs. And now we have an idea of what God is singing, songs of deliverance. So he's talking about times that you're in trouble, times that you're having difficult situations, times that you're fighting a faith fight, fighting for uh, maybe a health. We have a lot of, of, of people who are watching us today standing for their victory in health. Amen? Joy, rejoice, joy yourself. Full out joy. It's not time for half-calf joy. That's what I told Pastor. It's not time for half-calf joy. Half-calf coffee is not coffee. And, and half-calf joy is not real joy. Amen. It's time for full out joy. Full out joy. He says that he sings songs of deliverance. The New Living, I'm sorry, the Living Bible says, you surround me with songs of victory. You surround me. Well, that's the triumph. That it's a, in his name we will triumph, rejoice, triumph all the day. How am I triumphing? I'm rejoicing. If you, you remember when the Ark of the Covenant, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant up, uh, it was after, uh, it was Eli's sons that brought the Ark of the Covenant they weren't really respecting or honoring the presence of God, but they knew if we bring the Ark of the Covenant into the camp, the people are going to shout, and, and that's how they've always gained victory before. And the, they did. They brought the Ark of the Covenant in the camp, and the people shouted, and the enemy about fell out. The enemy said, oh, no, the Ark of the Covenant. Even though God, God wasn't being honored, the enemy knew from the sounds that the people were making that God's presence was in the camp. By the sounds that you are making, the enemy knows God's present with you. You're triumphing. You're triumphing. You, you don't look like there's any reason to triumph. I don't need, I don't walk by sight. I don't need to see something to triumph. That would be walking by sight. I have triumphed because of what I know. I know that in him I live and in him I move, and in him I have my being. I know that he is the strength of my life, and his wisdom is the stability of my times. I know that I'm the head and not the tail, always above, never beneath, always going over, never going under. I know that he will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I know that he will go before me and make crooked places straight. Amen. I know that when I walk through the fire, he is with me, and the fire shall not kindle upon me. I I know that when I walk through the waters, the flood shall not overpower me and they will not flood me out. Amen. I know that my righteousness is of him. So this is my rejoicing, not because what I see, but because of what I know, because of who I know. Hallelujah. I'm triumphing. I'm triumphing before there's a, a visible reason to triumph. You don't have to wait for a visible reason. You've got enough reason that you can see by revelation. The eyes of your spirit can see all that you need to see for you to go ahead and triumph. Triumph. Hallelujah. In 1 Peter chapter 1, I want you to see the example that um, this New Testament scripture provides for us. 1 Peter 1 And as you're turning there, I want to share with you an um, excerpt from Rick Renner's book, Sparkling Gems from the Greek. I love this. Uh, it is uh, a, a devotional type book. And in this 
uh, he was talking about joy and peace. And he describes the difference between happiness and joy. He said, happiness is based on circumstantial pleasure, merriment, hilarity, exuberance, or excitement, or something that causes one to feel hopeful or to be in high spirits. But happiness is temporary. It is subject to change because it's provoked by something that happens. It can be changed by something that happens. Joy is not provoked by something that happens. It's a fruit. It's produced by a seed of God's Word in me that has made new life spring up in my spirit and also the character of the fruit of God. So the fruit of the Spirit, joy, love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit that is in me is not because of anything that happens. It is because I'm born again that I have joy. So I ha- if you're born again today, you have joy. And you don't have to wait till you feel something to use it. You do have to choose to yield to it. You do have to submit to yield to it. But you don't have to wait till you feel something to activate it. You can activate it purposefully, activate it on a, a decision to rejoice... Hallelujah. Joy is unaffected by outward circumstances. This is the difference. And this is why if we'll practice joy and make, make joy a daily part of our spiritual activity, it doesn't change. You know, I'm rejoicing in Him. I'm rejoicing in who He is and what He's done for me. And none none of that will change. God's not going to change, and what He's done for me is not going to change. So my joy never has to change. Do you see? Do you see? Whatever's happening, you can rejoice. I was impacted by something that... I've been connected with Fresh Oil Ministries since probably 2011. Fresh Oil Fellowship... uh, to be specific, Fresh Oil Fellowship was uh, uh, started by Dr. Ed Dufresne and Pastor Nancy Dufresne. In 2013, October of 2013, Dr. Dufresne suddenly went to heaven and we watched and prayed with and stood with Pastor Nancy as she walked through that time. In discussing that time at a later conversation, and she said this from the pulpit, she said, my husband's airplane crash was not the hardest thing I've ever walked through. It was the most tragic thing I'd ever experienced, but it was not the hardest thing I'd ever walked through. She said the hardest things I faced were the things that I didn't know how to respond to spiritually. But when she walked through that time of that tragedy, she had spiritual practice in maintaining joy and peace. God had given her an assignment two years before to to be skilled in the flow of peace. And she had taught on peace for two years in their church. She had practiced peace and governing her mind with this peace for those two years. And when this happened, she maintained the spiritual flows that gave her the ability not only to have supernatural acceleration so that like 
$3 million worth of projects that were left undone when Dr. Dufresne moved to heaven. They had them completed in a year. And she had paid off $6 million between the ministry and themselves personally. Hallelujah. That acceleration and that spiritual help came because she did not move over into the emotions. She didn't move over into the mental arena. She maintained spiritual responses that kept her in a place where she could hear from God and be led by God to know what to do in every aspect of their ministry. And their ministry never slowed down. It picked up pace and they are, and they, uh, are doing more today uh, just because of that flow of the Spirit. Amen? Joy is unaffected by outward circumstances. In fact, it usually thrives best when times are tough. Now, I'm telling you this because I have walked in the walk of God long enough watching people who have gone before me and recognizing keys to their success. Brother Hagen continually said, I do more rejoicing when I'm under greater adversity than I do any other time. He made that same, that same uh, observation that God led him to greater full-out joy, triumphing with this spiritual force of joy when it looked like everything around him was World War III, like it was all coming against him in every way. And that's what Rick Renner says here in this book. Joy usually thrives best when times are tough. He said, he goes on to say, true joy is divine in origin, a fruit of the spirit that is manifested particularly in hard times. And that's what we see in 1 Peter. Go back with me to 1 Peter and let's look at chapter 1 and verse 6. 1 Peter 1, 6, wherein you greatly rejoice... Though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Manifold means on every side, multifaceted. And the word temptations means difficulties, tests, trials coming against you. From every side, multifaceted temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing you, result, you rejoice, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, and full of glory. Do you see that he's talking to people who are going through heaviness? They're going through difficulty. They're going through multifaceted attack on every hand. And he says they are greatly rejoicing in verse 6. And in verse 8, he says they are rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. They're in full out joy. They have maxed out the joy level and... And why? Because the joy of the Lord is strength. The joy of the Lord is strength. We're not rejoicing just as a release 
of, of this great feeling that we have, we're rejoicing because we need strength. If you need strength, get up and dance. If you need strength, lift your hands and say, Thank you, Jesus. I rejoice in you. I rejoice in your goodness. I rejoice in your majesty. I rejoice that you are the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's how you get strong. We don't get strong by having hands laid on us. We don't get strong by, by, by trying to pray ourselves into strength. He says joy equals strength. Mark that down. Save your life right there. Joy equals strength. Strength equals joy. If you put the equal mark in the middle of it, you're saying that both sides of what's on that equal mark, they level out to produce the same thing. If you have joy, you have strength. If you are not joyful, you're not strong. If, if you allow sadness to govern, it will drain your strength. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It is a drain. It is sapping strength out of your spirit, man. Strength in your spirit is evidenced by joy. If you want to know, am I strong? Check your joying. Check your joying because that's the indicator. Strength, it says that the children of Ephraim turned back in the day of battle. They were armed, they were equipped for battle, but they turned back because their strength was small. Their joy was small, right? So when we see here, it says that when they were facing multifaceted adversaries, difficulties, trials, things coming against them, he said, let it be found unto praise. When, when you are found in the midst of that, I want to hear joy sounds. That it may be found unto praise. Look again at verse 7. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, that it might be found with you praising. While you're going through it, while you're in, encountering this trial, it's not God trying you. It's the difficulty trying you. The curse is operative in this earth. Like it or not, we can't opt out of that. But we can opt out of it having any flow in our life and we Amen. can walk above it in our redemption. And he's telling us how. We've got to use the spiritual tool of joy. Amen. And he says, when, when this trial is coming against your faith, let you be found with praise in your mouth. Let you be found rejoicing in your heart. Let your, this is the time to, to turn it on up. Turn up the sounds of joy. I was reading through Trina Hankins' testimony again. I'd read parts of it before, but I was just going back over. I was actually reading in Spanish to practice my Spanish. And so I was going through it, and she, she, was, uh, she had a tumor on her brain that was undiagnosed until it had grown so much she passed out in church one day and they rushed her to the hospital and when they did the MRI they found it and uh, they, it, was, it was quite large at that time and so uh, she said the first thing that happened was the scriptures that she had put in her heart when she was overcoming asthma as a teenager and a young adult that she had meditated on those scriptures. And those scriptures, 
started coming back to her. She had, I mean, she had stayed with them, but they were there present in her heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And so they came up into her mouth. And her husband, of course, uh, agreed. And, and as the head of her house, uh, laid hands on her and prayed for the healing. But they agreed to have the exploratory surgery that the doctors uh, were recommending them to have. And so in between the time that they took the MRI and the time that they went in for the exploratory surgery, she was in the hospital. And it was a number of days, like three or four days. And she, from every waking moment of those three and four days, they, they were, she said, we had either scriptures that we were speaking out or songs that we were singing. That they just sat in the whole time and just worshiped the Lord in that room. And of course, you know, they sent somebody at the door with a list of who could come in and who could not. Only the people on the list were allowed entrance. Don't get offended because we got to make sure that we've got joy in the room. That nobody's going to come in sad because we don't need that to drain our spirit. But they kept joy in the room. And, and, and she said when the nurse would come in, the nurse would be shocked at the atmosphere in the room about how peaceful it was. And they would, they would be rejoicing. And she said there were plenty of times I was rejoicing with tears running down my face, but I was worshiping God because I knew I needed my spirit to be strong. Hallelujah. And... This is why we've got to recognize joy isn't just a release of, of a way I respond when good things happen. Joyce is how, rejoicing is how I respond when I'm under attack. Amen. When attacks come, joy level goes to the max. Amen? Now I'm going to give you another example in just a moment, but I want to read a few translations here where it says in verse 8, Yet believing, it says, whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing. So you don't see him. You don't see him at work in your situation, but you believe. And your believing is evident. You're rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Message Bible says, you still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. Ooh, you trust him with laughter. You trust him with laughter and singing. The voice translation says, although you don't yet see him, you do believe in him and celebrate with a joy that is glorious and beyond words. Why? Because I believe in him, I'm triumphing now. I'm not waiting till I see triumph to express my triumph because I have it whether I see it or not. I have it and how, what is the evidence I have it? I'm rejoicing. Can't you see me triumphing? Can't you, see, can't you hear it in my voice? I'm triumphing. Hallelujah. The Weiss translation says, In which last season you are to be constantly rejoicing with a joy that expresses itself in triumphant exuberance triumphant exuberance you are to be rejoicing with an inexpressible and glorified joy when you reach full out joy there's glory in it Amen. when you begin to glory when you begin to rejoice 
at that full out joy level, it brings a manifestation of God's glory into your life. Joy unspeakable, joy that is full of glory. Joy, glorified joy. Glorified joy. Now notice verse 9 in the King James, receiving the end of your faith. The end result of your faith, how are you going to receive it? You're going to joy your way into it. Joy is going to give you the strength. Patience is going to give you the endurance, but joy is going to give you the strength while you're enduring because you've got the victory. The victory belongs to you now. You're not waiting to get it. You have it now. And when God, when God checks your heart, He can see it in joy. It's evidenced by the joy that you have. Hallelujah. Okay, let's look at one, one example before I close. I don't even know what time it is. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm okay. In James chapter 1. Now, if you understand, James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He was a leader in the church. A lot of people were experiencing persecution and having to leave their families, leave their homes, travel uh, uh, because of the persecution to another land. And they were expecting things to turn out a little bit differently than they were turning out. And so they were writing to James and giving the indication that God is allowing this to happen to us and God's putting us through this. And that's why he says, don't you say when you are under a test that God is testing you because God doesn't test people with evil. That's what he's dealing with here. He's dealing with their difficulties. They're coming to him with their questions. Why are we going through this? Why hasn't it changed yet? Why don't we see the victory in this situation yet? And the first thing that he tells them before he deals with that mindset of God is allowing this to happen to me to teach me something, before he deals with that, he tells them in chapter 1 of James, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Hallelujah. Count it all joy. The New Living Translation says, Count it an opportunity for great joy. An opportunity for great joy. Hallelujah. Great joy. This is not time for level one joy. This is not time for level five joy. It's not time for you to play around with the volume of your joy. You need to turn it up all of the way because what you're dealing with, you need the strength to be able to deal with it. Count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations. Now, the word count is a word that means to reconcile. The way that you would reconcile your checkbook. I hope you reconcile your checkbook. My bank teller says you'd be surprised how many people don't reconcile their checkbook. It, but he says you can reconcile your situation and count it all joy. This word means to reconcile. Count it up. Make the com computations. Figure it all up. And when you get to the end of your calculations, make sure joy is the end result that you have on your paper. Count it all joy. Count, count it all joy. Figure it up and decide this is going to end in joy for me. 
figure it up and decide everything is going my way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just decide from the beginning. All things work together for my good because I love God. And I'm called according to His purpose. Amen. Just count it up. When you fall into diverse, and again, there's a multifaceted, different multifaceted temptations. This word in... Uh, this word fall means to fall head first, to fall face first into so that you're surrounded by these multifaceted trouble on every hand, trouble here and trouble in the finances and trouble in the physical realm, trouble on this corner, trouble about this situation. When you fall head first and it seems like trouble is surrounding you on every side. This word is this only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's to describe the man who fell among thieves. And those thieves robbed him and beat him and left him for dead, and the good Samaritan came and found him. You remember that story? That's the only other time this word is used to fall into diverse temptations is saying when you are when you fell into a situation and it is surrounding you on every every hand and it feels like it has robbed you and beat you and left you for dead this is the time for full out joy this is the time for you to count it up and decide it's going to end with the glory of God it's going to end according to the word of the way the word says it's going to end i'm counting it all joy Great joy. It's time for great joy. Hallelujah. 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 So counting it all joy. If, if you were to say 2 plus 2 equals 4, and 4 plus 4 equals 8, and trouble plus trouble equals double. Tr no, not in my books. Double trouble's not allowed on my page. Uh-uh. Get the eraser. Mark that double trouble off. We don't get double trouble in, in my house. Trouble may come, but it will not overcome. It will not overcome. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I'm going to rejoice in him. And he is singing songs of deliverance. Blessed are those who know how to praise him. They will triumph all the day, rejoice all the day. Why? Because when my, my rejoicing is sending out that signal and it is initiating and activating the victory of God in those situations so that it comes out the way that God says it's going to come out for me. Amen? Count it all joy. Count it all joy. I was dealing with multifaceted temptations and difficulties and, and situations in my life probably about 10 or 12 years ago. And I had been praying in the spirit and, 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 you know, just going about taking care of my responsibilities. I had just brought in all of my groceries. And so I had grocery bags sitting around on the kitchen and I had been praying in the spirit. I was just by myself in the house getting ready to put away my groceries. And out of my spirit, God gave me a song. And he said, this is, this is the song that he gave me. Everything is going my way, my way. Everything is going 
everything is going my way, my way, everything is going my way. I have prayed in the Spirit, I have partnered with the Lord, everything is going my way. He gave me a song of deliverance. And I began to sing that song all through my house, day after day. I still picked that song back out and, and sing it again. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because I have prayed in the Spirit. And all things work together for me. Because I've prayed in the Spirit. I've partnered with the Lord. I've, I've joined together. He's prayed with me. Everything, all things work together for them who love God and who are called according to His purpose. That's the, the, the basis of that song. Everything is going my way because all things work together for good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not going how it looks. It's going how He said. And there's got to be sounds of joy in the house. I'm going to ask if we'll have the ushers distribute the... Uh, elements for us today and we're going to rejoice as we receive our communion hallelujah there's there's triumph already manifest in your life you just need to initiate it and we're going to initiate it today as we rejoice over the bread and over the body